feel older? Do you feel wiser? Do you feel a little more older than wiser? Especially on a cold morning like today. Hey, that was a, a, a throwback uh, promo video to it. Today, we want to talk about what we can do in dealing with difficult people. Dealing with difficult people. How many of you would say that you've got someone in your life right now that would qualify as being a difficult person for you to deal with? Either at work or at family, someplace, even if you just want to call traffic, uh, going to and from work. Yeah, it's, difficult people are everywhere. Let me give you a definition of what a difficult person is. Not that you don't know, but a difficult person is someone who pushes your buttons. Can I get an amen on that this morning? They push your buttons. Or, they, uh, or, or someone that drives you crazy. They're abrasive. I'm feeling God on this already, guys. High maintenance and generally hard to get along with. You guys ever run into somebody like that before? It's just like your oil, their water, and it's just no matter what you do, you just can't click with them or get along with them. You know, they're the people that are always making the odd comment at the wrong time. They're the people that are always taking a room that's exciting and, and taking an atmosphere that's fun and bringing it down. They're the people that are always taking a place of peace and turning it into a place of conflict. They're the people that are turning a great family get-together into a political debate where everybody just eventually starts talking about issues from when they were eight years old and wouldn't share toys with one another. They're the people that have the special gift of just making everything in life difficult. And you guys have seen people like that, right? The trick is not to be that person. Oh, I got quiet there for a second. The trick is not to be that difficult person, but we've all seen them. Um, maybe you've been out somewhere and you've seen someone like this person we're fixing to show you in the video this morning. Check this out. Good morning. Welcome to the Mickey's Breakfast Jamboree. My name is Billiam, and I'll be serving you today. You guys here on a special occasion? Well, we're here on that new Magical Gatherings family package. Got the whole Matusik clan down from Ohio. Right, guys? Say hi. Hi! Well, great. Let me tell you Mickey specials today. We've got steak and eggs served with some home fries and Mickey waffles. Woo! I love me some steak and eggs. <laughs> Ever since they found mad cow disease in the U.S., I'm not taking any chances. It can live in your body for years before it ravages your brain. <laughs> You're enjoying your day, everything's going your way Then along comes Debbie Downer Always there to tell you about a new disease A car accident or killer bees Who beg her to spare you Debbie, please But you can't stop Debbie Downer Well, we did it, gang! We pulled it off! A family reunion at Disney! I don't know about you guys, the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ride that haunted elevator thingy. <laughs> it drops you straight down. <laughs> this is my dream come true. I mean, I'm totally serious. Tigger hugged me at the door and I thought I was gonna cry. <laughs> I guess Roy isn't doing as well as they first thought. What? Who's Roy? Roy of Siegfried and Roy. He was attacked by his own tiger and suffered devastating injuries. <laughs> So, uh, 
Hey, who wants to go on Space Mountain with me? Me! I want to see the Country Bear Jamboree. I want to go to every country in Epcot and greet them in their own native language. Hola, konnichiwa, hi. Did you guys hear about that train explosion in North Korea? Media is so sensitive there, so secretive. how many people perished. Makes me feel like a kid again. I mean, the time before my two-year stint at Children's. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, Pluto, hi. Boy, it must be fun to work here. Although the biggest drawback to working in a theme park is that you must live under constant fear of deadly terrorist attacks. <laughs> With that costume on, he's probably in the early stages of heat stroke. Presidents. <laughs> 
sure did catch that anthrax guy. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. That's ah, good to have fun in church, eh? We've all seen people like that, you know, which begs the, the question, how in the world do you deal with these difficult people that you run into, whether it's funny situations like that or something a little bit more serious? I've got, like, if I was going to be selfish and just make my own parameters on how to deal with, like, selfish people, here's some stuff that I would do. Um, this would be Pastor Josh's really bad advice on how to deal with difficult people in your life. You guys ready to take notes on this? All right, number one, only surround yourself with people like you. That's what I would do first. Only surround yourself with people like you and the people that you like, okay? Because you know what you're getting there, and if you like you and you like the stuff you like, you know that they're going to like it too, and everything's going to be great. Number two, this is important, uh, avoid stupid people at all costs. And by stupid, I mean anyone who has a different point of view than yours, okay? So we all know that. So number one, number two. So number three, I'd stay off social media like forever. Just never get on there at all, and that'll probably help you out. Actually, that's actually pretty good advice. Just stay off of there for a little bit. Uh, number four, never drive in Atlanta traffic ever. It's like ever, never. Buy a helicopter, get a teleporter, uh, whatever works. Just make sure you don't drive in Atlanta traffic because difficult people are absolutely going to be there. Can I get an amen on that this morning? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, and number five, and this one would probably fix it all, just move to a deserted island with a volleyball named Wilson. That would probably solve all your problems. Uh, but we can't really do that, can we? Can't really do that. I think that if we move to a deserted island with a volleyball named Wilson, Wilson would become a difficult person to live with, probably. Or our island would get invaded by natives from another island, and then we'd have difficult people that we'd, we'd have to deal with. How many of y'all have ever played the game Angry Birds? Man, Angry Birds is a fun game. But, uh... I think like, sometimes when it comes to dealing with difficult people, and, 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 and also I, I'd like to take the Angry Bird concept and like, apply it to difficult people. I brought a picture of some Angry Birds to show you this morning, too. They're going to put it up on the screen here for you. This is Angry Birds. Um, you take the birds, if you ever played the game, and you shoot the birds at stuff, and you knock them down, right? And that's what you do, and they make all these cool... Let me see if I can get this. This thing makes noises. Let me... Could y'all hear that pretty good? That's great. So if you run into a difficult person, to me, wouldn't it be fun, though, if you could just say, hey, how you doing? And then somebody complained about their day, and you could just angry bird them, just bam, hit them with the angry bird. Just angry bird them. And that would be a great stress relief. Say, hey, man, that boss at work that's just driving you crazy, angry bird them. Wouldn't that be awesome? to be able to do, just angry bird them all the time. I was, I was on a, a flight from uh, Seattle to Atlanta, and I was coming back from Alaska, and a travel agent friend of my sister's booked the flight, and she booked me a seat 
on the flight, like in the middle chair. Chair on both sides, and I'm in the middle seat. That's like the absolute worst seat ever to be on. It's like a five, five and a half hour flight, something like that. And so I know the middle seat is bad because I remember like being a kid and growing up, you never wanted to sit in the middle in the back seat, right? You wanted to right or left so you could um, you had the window. You didn't want to sit in the middle. So I was just sit in the middle. And I remember this lady got on the plane, and she was a difficult person. I was sitting down, and I was trying to get mentally ready. It's like, man, five and a half hours. Here we go. I'm in the middle. Okay, I got this. I'm going to watch some movies. I'm going to work on some stuff maybe, and we're just going to go. It's going to be great. I'll get through it. It'll be cool. She gets in. She sits down in the window seat next to me. And gets all situated and then looks over at me and goes, I am so sorry. What are you talking about? She goes, you're just going to have a miserable flight. I had to ride in the middle like that on a flight from somewhere to somewhere. And it was like four hours long and I almost lost my mind. I couldn't do anything with my arms. I couldn't stretch out. Everybody was leaning over on me and breathing on me. It was just horrible. You're just going to have a miserable flight. I hope you do okay with it. <laughs> just like that. And I'm like, well, I watched some movies and stuff. Oh, it's okay. Well, look, I'm just going to curl up over here and I'm going to go to sleep. And, um, if, and, and then she goes, look, sometimes I snore a little bit, so if I snore, just bump me and wake me up. It'll be fine, but I'm just going to go to sleep. And I'll scoot over further so maybe you can have a little more elbow room so it won't be so bad on you. I'm so sorry. You're just going to be miserable. And then she was asleep before we took off. And I'm sitting there in this chair thinking about stuff that I wasn't going to be thinking about originally on the fly. I was thinking, oh, great, maybe she's right. Maybe this is going to be comfortable. Now I'm suddenly paying attention to how much elbow room I don't have, you know, and how close the person next to me is over here. And, and even though she's kind of over here, tucked away asleep over here, I can't really put my arm on the armrest because her hip's kind of up, and it's just going to look kind of weird if I put my hand over here kind of close to where her hip's cranked up, and I'm like, that's just not going to look appropriate at all. So I'm just like feeling all weird about the flight, and I'm like, this lady has just jacked up my flight after I talked myself into being able to make the best out of a crazy situation. She just spoke all this junk into the situation and just messed it up for me. You guys ever had somebody like that before where everything was cool until they started talking? And they started running stuff. Yeah, so I was like, good grief, man. So we get through the flight, and we land, and she wakes up. And she says, um, she looks over at me. She goes, oh, well, you survived. And I'm like, yeah, I survived. Thanks a lot. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. She goes, did I snore? And I'm not proud of what I did next. But I'm not really ashamed of it either. Something just jumped up on my shoulder and went, you should have some fun with this. And I thought, I'm going to get a little payback on this person. And so she goes, did I snore? And I said, no, no, you didn't snore. She goes, really? I usually snore. I said, no, you didn't snore. And I leaned in real close. <laughs> I leaned in real close to her and I went, but you were passing gas really loud while you were asleep. <laughs> and she looked at me and just went, <laughs> kind of laughed it off and I'm like no seriously and she just went like that and she goes she's are you serious and I was like 
yeah, it's like, look, I was kind of cool with it, but the guy in front, he was having a problem with it. And just then, just like a cue in a movie, the guy gets up that was in front of us and turns around, and I give him this little what's up nod, and he looks at both of us and goes, like that. <laughs> and then goes, and she just got this horrified look on her face because she thought she had been cutting muffins the whole flight over there. And, uh, and so I let it hang for just a little bit, but I fixed it. And I told her, like, ha ha, I'm just kidding, I got you. You didn't do any of that, you know. But secretly, I got my revenge on her, and I thought, yes, that's great, you know. Wouldn't it be great if you could just get your revenge like that on difficult people all the time? And either just angry bird them or play those mental games with them. But you can't always do that, though. And to be honest with you, if you're going to be mature in your response, which I probably wasn't on that flight, but I was sleep-deprived at the time, um, we're going to want to look at Romans chapter 12 to look at how to deal with some of these difficult people in our lives. Romans 12, starting at verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Don't do what Pastor Josh did. Don't take revenge. Now, as I read through this, there's a couple of things that we can start to get from this passage of Scripture that's going to help us in dealing with these difficult people in our lives because they're not always going to show up in a light situation on an airplane. Sometimes the situations can get really intense with these people. Um, the first thing that you see here is it says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. First thing I see here is this, all right? We can set the terms... We can set the terms in which we interact with other people in our lives. Okay? That means we have the ability to choose our response. Because as far as it depends on you, that means we've got something to say in this process of living at peace with everyone. That means there's something that we can do. We have a choice in the matter. Everybody say this. I can choose my response. We'll do this one more time. This is going to set some of you guys free. I can choose my response. We can choose our response to the difficult people in our lives. We don't have to let them suck us down into that level of drama or in that, that little, that little um, circle of chaos that they live in. We do not have to let them pull us down into that. We can choose how we respond, and we can choose to not respond in an emotional way that's going to escalate the situation. Amen? We can choose to do that. The second thing, and this is what's a little more disturbing to me and frustrating to me, is, is while we do get to choose our response to people and these difficult people in life, we have no control over what they're going to do at all. Sometimes I wish we could, but we can't. So I can choose and control my response, but i got no control at all over what these other people are going to do. Um, and there's some freedom in that, but there's some frustration too. One of the biggest frustrations in ministry that I've seen over the years is that I, I can't keep people 
from putting themselves in situations that's going to complicate their lives, even though I have seen, and some of you guys have too, you've seen how the decision-making process plays out. And when people do A and B, it's always going to end up in C. And you can, you can try to talk some sense into them and try to give them wisdom, but at the end of the day, people are usually going to do whatever they wanted to do in the first place, and there's very little control you can have over that, you know? And it can be frustrating if you're trying to control the situation. My advice to you would be to stop trying to control the response to the difficult people in your life because you're not going to be able to do it. There's going to be some freedom in that for some of you this morning because you're exhausting yourself and you're frustrating yourself and you're wearing yourself out trying to get somebody to fit into the box of how you want them to perform or how you want them to act or how you want them to behave in life. And you're not going to make them, you're not going to be able to make them stop doing the bad things that they're doing. You're not going to get to train them to have a new set of habits. They're going to be who they are until they're ready to change so you're gonna have to back up and realize that and set yourself free from the frustration of trying to fix everybody that you come into contact with Whoo! there should be some shouting on that this morning there's some freedom in that we can control what we can do but we can't control the responses of other people So my responsibility is to, as far as it depends on me when dealing with difficult people, to make sure I'm doing what I can do to live at peace with everyone. Is do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. That means we've got to put it in the hands of God. That means we put it in the hands of God. We control our response. We know we can't control theirs. And so we put it in the hands of God, and we let God do what God wants to do with the situation. Now, that sounds like it should be on a cup somewhere. Just let go and let God. And we can sip our coffee in the morning and feel good about the day we're about to get into. And that, but there's a lot of truth in that, too. There's a lot of truth in that. So I said, put it in my hands, because if you try to fix this on your own, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to lose your peace, you're going to lose your joy, and eventually you're going to become cynical and you're going to lose your taste for life because these people are going to rob you of joy itself. So put it in my hands and let me work out the situation, okay? And then he gives us a plan of action after that. So we do what we can do to control our response to them. We trust God to work on them. And then he says, your job, your job in dealing with these difficult people is this. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, Give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. He said, your plan of action in dealing with difficult people is to show love and to serve. To show love and to serve. To show love and and to serve. Boy, it would be a whole lot more fun if God said, angry bird to snot out of them and let them know how they're jacking up their life and let them know how they're frustrating your life and just, just let them have it, you know. It'd feel a whole lot better. Love and serve, love and serve. And you know what? That's the example that Jesus set for us when he walked this earth. 
If you look at his life, he was a servant. He was a servant to all. And he loved first. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that he was a, a little doormat for everybody to walk over. And that's not what I'm saying here. Because there are times where you've got to draw some boundaries and say, look, that stuff can come this far, but you're not going any further than this right here because that drama is your drama. That problem is your problem. That dysfunction is your dysfunction, and you're not going to bring that up into my house. Okay? My house is a place of peace and joy. I'm doing my best to live like God wants me to. I'm not going to get sucked into that mess. You've got to draw some lines sometimes in your life, you know. And Jesus did that really well, I thought, with the Pharisees. But he never, he never really got caught into their level. He always seemed to rise above the level that the Pharisees were operating on. He loved, he served, he drew the line, but he never got sucked into it. Um, so we've got to be careful to make sure that we're responding biblically to these difficult people in our lives. Say, so why is that important, Pastor Josh? Well, here's the big deal. I don't know if you've noticed it, but in just about anything you want to do in life, you're going to have to deal with people somewhere along the way. In fact, if I were to sit down with everybody in here this morning and I was to say, hey, uh, let's talk about some areas in your life that you're not happy with right now. Okay, let's just list them out. And so we went through the list and maybe you had one thing or three things that you listed out. Well, I'm not happy with this right now and I'm not happy with this and I'm not happy with this. Because it's the new year and a lot of people are setting goals um, for what they want to grow in and, and for how they want to become better in areas for your setting. Some people call them resolutions. Some people just call them goals. Um, I got some big ones this year. My number one goal this year is I want to get closer to God than I've ever been before in my entire life. That's my goal as a pastor. Um, but we're setting these goals right now. So let's say, what are some things that you would want to change? What are some things that you're not happy with in your life? And if we went a layer deeper into that discussion... And we said, okay, um, well, I'm not happy with my job right now. Or you said, well, I'm not really happy with, uh, with my home life right now. There's some things I would like to change with that. Okay, so we've got two areas. Let's go a step further with this. I bet you, in looking at those things, that, those areas that we're not happy with, when we got down to the reason why we weren't happy with those areas, Nine times out of ten, there would be a difficult person attached to those situations. Well, I'm not happy with the way things are going at work. Why not? Because my boss is driving me crazy. He's making me do the work of two people right now, and I'm losing my God-blessed mind. I'm working myself crazy. I don't have the help that I need. I'm not getting paid the wages of two people, but I'm doing the work. You see what I'm saying? It always comes back to a person, or it comes down to a coworker. If it's not the boss, it's a coworker. I wish they would just carry their weight, and I wouldn't have to pick up their slack anymore. I wish they would stop doing this. I wish if they would just stop doing that, then work would be a different situation. Or at home, um, it's never just home. It's going to be a spouse. Well, I wish my husband would do this. Or I, miss, I wish my wife would would do this, you know, or maybe your, your, your home life, you, you look at it, man, I wish my kids would just stop doing this and start doing what I asked them to do the first time I asked them to do it. Or maybe you flip the script and you say, I just wish my parents 
would listen to me instead of, instead of yelling at me all the time. You know, or if it was something at school, you say, I wish I, wish I could go to school and, and the teacher not embarrass me in front of the other students. Or maybe I wouldn't get bullied at school by this student or that student. It's always attached to a difficult person every time. So if we're going to be successful in life and we're going to be productive in what God has called us to do as Christians, we're going to have to learn how to navigate this minefield of difficult people that we're going to encounter. Because if we don't learn how to do that, we're setting ourselves up for failure in life because everywhere you go, there are going to be difficult people. And success and productivity depends on our ability to operate at a level of maturity that allows us to be able to navigate and deal with those people and to make sure that we're responding in a biblical way that sets us up for success. Make sense? And we've all seen these people. We've all seen these people. Um, here's, some, here's some characteristics of these difficult people that we run into in our lives. And probably you're going to picture somebody, either you've dealt with in the past or somebody that you're dealing with right now. Uh, they're demanding. They're demanding. They put unrealistic expectations on us. They... They almost set us up for failure by what they're demanding of us all the time. They, difficult people, they like to try to, the, this, some personality types, they like to, to get you right here under this thumb and try to control different aspects of your life because that's part of the thing. Because if they can control you, then that helps them exert some power and make them feel like their life isn't out of control if they can exhibit control over what's going on in your life. Difficult people usually are going to be demanding kind of people and they want to put you right here they want to put you right here and try to control you and pressurize your life um, and if they're not demanding then they're going to be disapproving difficult people are always disapproving okay they're highly critical they're highly critical there's you can't do anything good enough for a difficult person you're always going to fall short, and they're always going to do a great job of telling you exactly how you failed and screwed stuff up. You ever been around somebody like that? Boy, aren't they just a ray of sunshine to be around all the time? They're incredibly negative. Well, you didn't do this. We didn't do that. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. I just want to jump off a building every time I'm around you. You're just great to be around. You know, it's just they're always disapproving, always disapproving, always attacking. They're highly critical. Highly critical because if they can point out your faults and they feel better about what's going on in their life. So not only are they disapproving, but they're deafening. They are deafening. Difficult people are deafening. What does that mean? They love to talk. They love to talk. You know that, that proverb that talks about how a fool takes um, delight in airing their own opinion? That's exactly what these people love to do. And it's not just that they love to talk all the time. You can't really have a real conversation with them because it's not like you, you can't have a conversation because they're not really listening to you. They're just waiting for you to stop talking so they can start talking again. That's how that works. They don't listen. They're just waiting to talk again. And they're always like real argumentative and combative in what they do. You can't have a civil conversation with them. They're always going to turn it and turn it into a debate. And you can say, wow, that grass is really, really green. And they'll look at that grass and they'll say, yeah, not really. It's a little more, it's a little more blue than yellow. 
you know, it takes yellow and blue to make green, and I think there's a little more blue in there than yellow. It's not really a true green. It's kind of an off green. It's just like, just stop running your mouth. It's, people like that are so difficult to be around sometimes, you know, and uh, not just deafening, but they can be destructive. Difficult people are incredibly destructive, and by destructive, I mean they walk around ready to explode and take out everything that is around them. They walk around with, with just pent-up anger and frustration and rage, and at the drop of a hat, they'll explode, and it's like you, you've got to walk around on eggshells around these people. And if you do anything they don't like, Ah, they'll let you know in a heartbeat. It's just, they're just not fun to be around. And not only are they destructive, but they're incredibly, incredibly discontent. They're incredibly discontent people. Um, they're always whining about something. They're always complaining about something. They're always, there's always a pity party going on. They're always the victim. And everything that's happening in life is happening against them. And that's how they operate. They can't take any responsibility for what's going on in their own lives. They're the victim of the universe. They're the victim of a situation. They're a victim of people constantly over and over again. And if you're not careful, they'll eventually paint you in a corner. And they'll make you part of the problem in their life too eventually. Because it's a destructive pattern that they're in, and it always plays out. Um, the last thing that they are, they're demeaning. They're incredibly demeaning. Um, they talk down. They talk down to you. They'll run you down. Anything they can do to make themselves, to put themselves in a position that seems to where they're landing higher than you, that's what they're going to do every time. They're incredibly demeaning. They're always fun to deal with. I mean, who wouldn't want to hang out with somebody that's demanding, disapproving, uh, that's deafening, that love to talk all the time, never listen, uh, that's destructive in what they do, that's discontent and demeaning in all of their conversation? That just sounds like somebody I'd love to have over for dinner, you know. But, but those people are out there. Those people are out there. Hey, I got a question for you before we go any further. Everybody look at me. Hey, are you a difficult person? Do you find at times you're demanding or disapproving or deafening, destructive, discontent, or demeaning towards other people? Hey, that's you this morning. I got good news for you. You can change. You can change. And you can break that pattern in your life. You can break that dysfunction in your life. You don't have to be that way. Amen? You can choose. You can choose. So let me give you some advice on dealing with these people that we all love to deal with. Because they're not going to go away, guys. They're not going to go away. Number one is this. Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. This is the trap that people fall into all the time when dealing with difficult people. When they do what they do, and they're going to do what they do. And listen, we've got no control over it. All we have control over is our response in the situation, right? That's all we've got control over, our response in the situation. When they do what they do, don't take it personal. 
Okay? This is the trap people fall into. They take it personal, and instead of operating at a level of maturity, we lower our standards and we go down to their turf on their ground and start that, that dirty fight and get caught up in the drama and the distraction. And when we do that, we lose sight of the bigger picture. We lose sight of what God's called us to. We get focused on the, on the, the conflict. And this is where problems in church start all the time. Because somebody bumps into a difficult person, and they don't respond in a mature way. And then the next thing you know, you've got an issue that's happening in a ministry or in an area of the church because they don't know how to operate in a mature way. And the enemy's come in, and he's brought division into the church because of immaturity. Okay, listen. You don't get permission to leave any church anywhere because there's somebody in that church that you have a difficult time getting along with. Okay? You're called to respond in a biblical way and operate in maturity even if they don't because you can't control their response. All you can do is control yours and you do whatever you need to do to operate in peace with that person and still function in the church and do what God's called you to do. Amen? So that's what you do. You don't take the bait. You don't make it personal. You don't take it in a personal way. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to get pulled down into the drama. Listen to what uh, the book of Proverbs says. This will set some of you free this morning because I went through a time in my life where, man, I would just jump into a situation with people like this and just come in guns blazing, thinking I could fix stuff, and it always just made the situation worse. This stuff set me free when I finally realized I don't have to take this stuff personal. Proverbs 12, verse 16 says, Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. The prudent overlook an insult. You know, just because somebody insults you or does something that could potentially offend you doesn't mean that you have to get offended over it. That set me free when that finally clicked in my spirit. You know what? They're just going to do what they're just going to do. It doesn't have to impact or influence my life in any way, shape, or form. I can choose to just not respond to it. Whoo, boy, you are operating in a in big-time maturity once you get to that point, guys. Because now you're getting to a place where you can be free of people's opinions and the words of people, and they're, oh, that, that, when you're free from other people like that, that cuts out a lot of the ammo that the enemy can use against you. Proverbs 11, or Proverbs 19, verse 11, reads like this A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. That doesn't mean that the offense isn't there, the offense is there. The problem's there. They're saying what they're saying. They're doing what they're doing. But we're operating in a level of wisdom and maturity that is so high that we choose not to be pulled down to the level of pettiness that they're operating in. And when you do that, the Bible says that it's to your glory to overlook that offense. You know what that means? When they take the low road and you take the high road, you know who ends up looking better in that situation? You know who looks more mature in that situation at the end of the day? 
even if to nobody else, to God, because we're responding the way he wants us to, it's the person that operates in the mature way. So don't take it personal. This will set you free. When someone's rude, abrasive, or disrespectful, that shows who they are and has little to do with you. I'm going to read that one more time. When someone is rude, abrasive, or disrespectful, that shows who they are and has little to do with you. People do what they do because that's where they are. Okay? They're showing you the level of maturity that they operate in. Okay? They're showing you the depth of their walk with God right then. That has nothing to do with you. That's all on them. They're parading around and they're showing you the innermost parts of their hearts by what they're saying and what they're doing. Now, they'll never say that, but I'm telling you, that's what's happening. Okay? Um, because we treat other people as a reflection of the love of God that's either in us or not in us. And so when they're abrasive and disrespectful, that's on them. That's on them. Okay? So we've got to recognize that. That's them. That's their behavior. That's something I can't control. But what I can control, I'm going to say it again because some of y'all need to hear this. We can control our response to how they're behaving and what they're saying. And we don't have to drop down to their level. Okay? I got news for you. You never want to fight somebody on their own turf. Okay? They got a lot of practice at being petty. They got a lot of practice at being immature. They got a lot of practice at taking off those shoes and throwing them at you and pulling out those shanks and trying to get you. They, they got a lot of experience fighting down on that level right there. You don't want to drop down on that level. Rise above the situation. So in knowing that, don't take the bait. When you see a difficult person... Doing what they do, whether it's at work or family or, or, or whatever, whatever the situation is, or at church, don't take the bait. When they act the way that they act, and it just drives you crazy, and you want to just grab the angry bird and just, and just pop them with it, back up and picture them setting a trap for you because that's what they're doing. Don't take the bait. Don't give them the response that they're looking for. Don't give them the response that they're looking for. These people are operating in dysfunction. Okay? They're operating in dysfunction. And they're using dysfunctional behavior to try to get a couple of things. Okay? Um, difficult people often use conflict and drama to grab power and attention. Difficult people often use conflict and drama to grab power and attention. And that's what they do. Everything that they do is to grab power in a situation or power over you or to get attention brought to themselves because they're not getting it from somewhere in their life. That's the deep, dark secret to dysfunctional people or to difficult people that you're dealing with. When somebody's really loud, somebody just blows their top. Ah! They want you to see their response so that you, they get the attention and they're seen as big and bad. But they're doing what they do to let you know that if you behave that way, this is going to be my response 
So if you don't want this response, you need to change your behavior and fall in line with the way I want you to behave. Otherwise, I'm going to become Big Bad John again. And so it's used as a control mechanism to keep you in place. Make sense? On the other side, too, uh, you don't have to get mad or get angry. People cry and play the victim card all the time. And they just wear you out to the point where you just... You get tired of hearing them complain and whine. I'm always left out. I wish people would do this. I wish people would do that. And what they're doing is through their offense, they're trying to control and manipulate the situation to train your behavior to become what they want it to be. See, it's, it's a messed up little game that they play. So don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Proverbs 26, 21 reads like this. It says, as charcoal to ember and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. What does that mean? That means if you don't take the bait and you don't put fuel on the fire and you don't give them the response that they're looking for, eventually that fire goes out. Eventually that fire goes out. Eventually they learn that that behavior doesn't get what they want from you because you're not going to play the game and you're not going to get sucked into the drama. Make sense? And the last thing is this. I don't want to paint these people into a horrible light because we've got to remember that they need Jesus just like you do, just like I do. They need Jesus. Difficult people behave the way they behave because they're trying to offset something that's out of place inside of them. And so they manipulate to try to get power and control, and they manipulate to try to get attention in situations. And they manipulate to try to make things, I don't know that their intent is to make it difficult, but it makes our life incredibly difficult. They do what they do because of a hole that's inside of them that only Jesus can fill. And so the best thing that we can do in dealing with people that are difficult, listen, guys, I'm just telling you, pray for them. Pray for those people. Because as much as they frustrate us and as much as they aggravate us and as much as they, they're like fingernails on the chalkboard sometimes in our lives, at the end of the day, if they don't know Jesus, they still go to the same hell that you or I would go to if we didn't know Jesus. So we don't get to write those people off. Got to pray for them and lift them up. And this is what I know happens when we pray for people. God begins to change our heart towards them. And he can change their heart, and oftentimes he does. But you'll find that your heart towards them begins to change. And you'll begin to see them through God's eyes. And you'll begin to see them with the love that God looks at them with. And you'll begin to see that that dysfunction that they operate in isn't too terribly different than some of the stuff that we operate with in our lives. While it's difficult to us and it drives us crazy, you know what? There's just people that need God to do something in their lives. They need to be prayed for. They're not going to go away. So if we want to be successful in doing what God's called us to do and we want to be productive in being God's tools and hands and feet on this earth, we're going to have to learn how to deal with difficult people and not avoid them and not get caught up in the drama and get distracted with it but to rise above it and operate in a biblically mature way, controlling our response and looking at them through a lens of love 
praying for them and lifting them up, asking for God to do a work in their heart. And maybe we'll find through that process that God will open up a window of opportunity for us to speak into one of those people's lives so that he can bring about the change that they so desperately need in their lives. Now, to me, that would be the perfect ending to a great story.